My name is Joseph Ando Kwam, but I usually don't use the Joseph. I make it simple, Ando Kwam. Hello, and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewafo, and I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now, let's get started with this episode. Now, I'm 87 years old or 87 years young because I still move around. I don't have a walking stick, (laughs) you know. So uh, I was born in 1935 in April. And uh, I went to school in my father's town, Bain. B-E-Y-I-N. And of course, my mother's town is 10 miles from my father's town called Bonyere. B-O-N-Y-E-R-E. Bonyere. I went to school in Bain Catholic School. There was only one school there. And uh, without Joseph... Bible Bible name or whatever it is, they wouldn't admit me, you know. So I was baptized Joseph, and then I went to school there, finished in 53, and came to uh, Sekandi Takuradi, where I got a job as a messenger, and then later on as a clerical assistant in the railways, Ghana railways, it doesn't exist anymore because politics has no eyes. Politics has only emotions sometimes, as you say that. After Nkrumah was overthrown, the whole system was broken down and then they introduced articulated trucks. And the consequences were (laughs) very, very uh, bad. The rules were not built for heavy articulated trucks. Anyway, I'm adding all these things because they are part of my experience. After school, after, and after working with the Ghana Railways, I had a, a few months with the timber marketing board, Takuradi, and then I went to Accra. Somebody recommended me to somebody in Accra to be his private secretary. I was there, and then later on, I uh, joined the Ghana foreign service. We had two foreign services. One was the African Affairs Secretariat, which was directly under Kwame Nkrumah because of his quest for African unity. And I worked in that office at Flagstaff House the official residence of uh, 
Kwame Nkrumah, the president. And then uh, I served in four countries, Niger, Togo, Central African Republic, and the last was the Sudan, you know, uh, it was there that Kwame Nkrumah was overthrown. And of course, my ambassador found me uh, as an escape good. Make some reports or complain about me. And I was called by the Foreign Service, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, which was the one that deals with foreign countries and African affairs dealt with uh, African countries. So I was called for consultation and during the consultation, somebody found me as another scapegoat and I was detained by the special branch in Ghana for one good month. All right, thank you so much, sir. Uh, but I find something interesting there before we get started with the interview just now. Of course, it is okay. related. Uh, without the Joseph, your name, without the Bible name, they would not admit you in school. Yes. Can please expand on that? Well, of course. I can. The white man told that we were heathens. You know, you know it in their literature, and we have to be processized. And before you can be uh, made a human being, you have to have a Christian name. So that was the reason why I had a Joseph. And uh, it was my father who agreed that Joseph uh, should be uh, my first name instead of Andor, which was my great grandfather's name, a very, very wise man who had, I mean, a record at the king's palace because he was so wise that whatever happened and it was this case eventually they would take what his answers or his opinions were anyway so that that's why i hate the joseph <laughs> because it should have been the first name shouldn't have been and all right thank you for that uh well that is it and it's all across it's all across the continent i also um when i got baptized that was when i had i had the name uh peter because the name <laughs> i i was given uh although they are very significant of this of course i've spoken of it in different occasions when i've had the chance uh, both at the universities and also in secondary schools and in social centers where I have presented both my books and also 
my documentaries yeah. uh, that African names are significant. We don't just go to Wikipedia to look for names. Names yeah. have meaning, have significance. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, now, my name actually are these. Actually, okay, let me just give you then, because we are talking about, um, go to have effect of what we are talking about today. I am uh, L14, which is the name of my father. L14 means no one actually have the whole custody of knowledge, meaning that we are always learning. That is the name of my father, my son name, therefore. Mm. Now, my father gave me a name, uh, who, which is called Omokekbele. If that is translated to English, it will mean uh, children or my, my kids are my kinsmen. Meaning that children are my kinsmen in this sense. Mm -hmm. Now, my grandmother, because I stayed with my grandmother, uh, gave me a name, Ehichoya. That one, if it is translated to English, it will mean God will stand by you, or God will help you in a time of, of difficulty. Of course, by God now, She's not referring to the European God because my mother was not a Christian. Sorry, my grandmother was not a Christian. But of course, as we will talk about later, Africans have always have God consciousness. Of course, not talking of the European God. Now, another name I have is the name my mother gave me, which is Obehi, the name that I actually bear today. Mm -hmm. That name actually means the that uh, it is not my will. It is the will. It is a divine will of what has happened. And what has happened, I will explain. We are actually predominantly male in our family. We are nine in all. So mm -hmm. my mother was expecting a female who could help her when she was pregnant of me. So that when she have domestic work, uh, uh, I could help her as a female to do the domestic work. Uh, she was actually hoping for this. And at this time too, my mother is not a Christian. Of course, she became a Christian before she died uh, uh, last year. Uh, so when she gave birth to me, of course, in the house, she said to me that she took up the child and she looked at it and said, again, this one is a male. He said, well, it is not my will. It is the will of God that this child should be, uh, male. Should be male. That is the meaning of that name. Now, of course, I'm not going to go into the significant again of name. I'm just trying to say that it is important that we know the importance of us having our name. That it is not just because somebody suggested a name to them. That is why they gave <laughs> us this. It, it is deeply rooted in the culture, in their existence, because we are basically extending their life, and our children will extend our lives so that all of us, we are connected. Good. All right. Having said that, today in Ghana, just like in many other Africans, do you think this idea of trying to wipe out African history, because that is essentially what it is, 
by making sure that you have a European name instead of your name is cutting you off from your root so that you can connect to the European, which of course, this one is even false. Do you think we still live by this idea today? Or have we come to the consciousness that our names mean something and therefore we must hold our name? Before I get to that, at the point already here in Italy, I actually wanted to refuse the Peter. So if you see most of my official documents today, like my books, my documentary, if you go on Italian to search for my name, you don't see Peter there because I removed that. I said, no, I want to keep my African names. But of sure. course, since that is the name that I use here, in my legal document, Peter is there. But my official document, which of course the one that I, I represent myself by, I don't use Peter anymore. But of course, if you call me Peter, I'm not going to be angry. But as a question <laughs> of choice, I don't do that anymore. Now, Good. the question is, are people still abiding by that European way of seeing us? Or have we grew up to appreciate our name and call ourselves by our own names? Let's go. We in Ghana, to be honest, those born by uh, so-called elite or educated, they are running away from their African names. You know, uh, they love to be called Peter or John or <laughs> whatever, you know, because like we were told most of us were culturally bankrupt. You know, we don't understand our culture. We don't appreciate it and all that. You know, I remember my own uh, son in, sons in the United States. I have four sons and two girls. All of them prefer to be called uh, first name, which is biblical names, because <laughs> that's what they wanted. Like I said, they are culturally bankrupt. So they prefer what uh, they've been told. You know, when I was teaching in the United States, I preferred to be called Quam by my colleagues, professors, instructors, and all that. Because I said, if you call me Joseph, here is a Ghanaian who is lost in America. Because one day you, you may have uh, an African in your class or especially a Ghanaian. And I said, oh, I know one Ghanaian. He's called Joseph. <laughs> and, and, and the student will laugh. He said, there's no Joseph in Ghana. You know, if the, the student actually is aware of 
the significance, the importance, the meaning of African names. So I refuse to be called Joseph. You can call me Quam, simple, Q-U-A-R-M, which also has a meaning, you know, which I can't go into it because of our shortness of time. But in the Akan system of things, a baby, the moment the baby comes out, he cries out to show that he or she is ready to live. And the parents, the grandmothers who are all surrounding uh, the birth of the mother, they know that the name, a name is very important. So, the Akan system has seven distinct names for babies. The moment you come out and you give your first cry, they greet you, they respond. Like me, I was born on Saturday, or my father gave me the name of his father or whoever. Then they call that name the name of birth. They call it Kwame. Welcome. Stay strong with us. Simple like that. And so we have all these names. Kwame is a Saturday born name. Kofi is a Friday name for males. And of course, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday and Sunday. Anyway, so that's what it is. Right now here in Ghana, we are going backwards. Nkrumah's name was Francis Nyakofi. And then he changed it to Kwame Nkrumah. Kwame means a Saturday born baby. Nkrumah has also a meaning, you know, and Sometimes it's philosophical, sometimes it's religious, sometimes it's, you know, pure uh, experience from life. So that's what it is. All right. That's what it is. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the, the book, your book. Okay. Uh, let's start by understanding what is the central message of the book? Okay, the title of the book is African Concepts of God, Human Being, and Society. Three concepts. Oh no, and God is the first one. You know, in African society, if I'm not going to be uh, 
a liar or whatever. <laughs> we Africans are intoxicated with the name God. You know, God, the omnipotent supreme God who created the universe in which we live. You know, so the central theme of God is, according to my book, the one who created everything. And for that matter, we Zimmers are intoxicated with that name. Everything we do, we mention God. <laughs> and sometimes for foreigners who do not know our culture, they try to uh, tell us, what is this God, God, God for? And I've been told before in my student days in the United States, you know, you greet somebody, good morning, sir. They say, good morning. How are you? Instead of saying, I'm quite well, he will say, oh, in the name of God, <laughs> I am well. Thank God, I am well. Thank God, I exist. You know, so I use it in my book. It's like we are intoxicated to the extent that certain things that we can do by ourselves, we first mention God first to the extent that we relegate our existence and what we can do. Although God made us, we know that. And uh, gave us strength, mind, imagination, and all that. But we always relegate everything we do in life to God. You know, it's more or less like a, what we can think, what we can do without God, <laughs> we can do it, you know. And so that's what it is. Now, God is pure spirit. We haven't seen him or we haven't seen her but the belief through our existence and all that is given to God. You know, God is everything to us. God, the supreme being, is what makes our daily existence possible. And without God, we wouldn't be here.
So, those who do not understand how the enzyme exists will make the enzyme a laughing stock. Why is it that always God, 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 God? No, yes, always God, God. Right now, as I'm talking, I'm breathing, I'm walking, I am thinking, all is made possible through the blessings or through the existence of God. The inquiry, inquiry is so vast that everything we put God's name in it. So in a nutshell, that's what God is to us. Everything, and I understand from your name, how God is mentioned by your mom, your dad, and your grandmother, with whom he lived for some time. You know, the Supreme God, who is the Supreme Being, is revealed to all human beings through intuition. Every human being can communicate with God in his way, own way, his or her own way. Therefore, there is no representative in our society, no representative of God, like you find it in other societies, especially European society. Because if the society does that, then it's more or less a, a sacrilege or a, a sin. How can you say something about God that you don't know and then uh, think that you know it? You know. God in Zema is from experience of the people and is more or less anthropomorphic. In other words, the image of God through our experiences, we get the image of God or the name of God the anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic God who more or less precise on human affairs. For instance, God in Zema is a woman, his grandmother. <laughs> so, to interpret it in the English language, we say God, the Supreme Being, God, the Grandmother, God, 
the we don't say the father you say god the grandmother in my society what god represents is totally unfathomable but that's what it is uh the supreme being is seen as the source for which all phenomena as we know through reason and senses image now when i say reason and senses i'm saying human experience you reason because of the way you've been raised the way you've been socialized so god in zema came from the experience that <coughs> emerged the human experience from reasoning and sensing that image now although there is a hierarchy of being embracing the universe and all it contains in which the eternal realm of god which is pure spirit is distinguished from the realm of the phenomena which is matter and like i've said the supreme being god is revealed to all human beings through intuition and even a child knows god nobody teaches a child who god is because the child is an embodiment of reasoning sensing dreaming intuition and so the child knows god already and you can't talk to him or her the way you think you have a head which is empty and that there is nothing in it no the child knows god i want you to help me understand uh, why is it that everything we do as africans yeah you did uh, pointed it out no uh, in that when i was making mention of my different names you could see that actually they all reflected uh god uh and also uh, of course help you understand it that those who gave me the name didn't have the knowledge of uh, european god at the time so the question is why is it that everything we do in africa or among africans and of course we, are, we can also pick an example from your culture 
is surrounded by God and God consciousness. Can you help me understand that? Well, like I said, you had it in your society, and I'm glad to hear that. And like I always said, African societies, they always, the first concept they have in their lives is God. You know, your parents knew the African God. It could be anthropomorphic one, or it could be the pure spirit who authored the whole universe. But the simple line between the two has been submerged or has been uh, not purely uh, understood. You know, only a few illiterate illiterates in my society can argue about God, the grandmother, or grandmother God, and God, the pure spirit, only a few people. And so it looks as if that consciousness of pure spirit or anthropomorphic, which means anthropo man or human being, you know, morphic God is the same thing, but it is not. So I would say that Africans being literate or illiterate, only a few know the difference that there is a pure spirit God that we've never seen and she or he is the author of everything, you know. And we do that to keep God in our lives, in our society, in our everything, to the extent that some proverbs are about God, you know. God lives, so I too live. You know, God created life for us, you know. From the womb, we didn't know where we were till we came out from my or your mother's womb and made your first cry from which the people surrounding you responded, giving you one of the seven names. And then afterwards, you have a naming ceremony where you could get other names to the extent that the first name that you brought with you that has been institutionalized 
is submerged. But the one that your parents give to you is what you carry it with you in life till death. That's great. That's great. I, I think it's, it's significant. It's highly significant. <laughs> because names are not just mere things. I think they are connected. They are, um, they are deeply rooted. Anyway, maybe we'll come to this later. Uh, now, how do you describe the African concept of God? I think this is important. Now, we're looking for how you understand it, how you describe it to people who do not know or do not know it enough. Okay. The African concept of God differs from other concepts in that God's name is pronounced with all, you know. God's name to us is a mystery. And so we don't pronounce it by heart. We don't just uh, use it by heart in human life, in everyday life. We pronounce it or we call God's name for a reason. You know, uh, I remember when I was describing a human being in, in college, San Francisco State University in California, my friends, some of my friends, and especially my American white friends, wanted to laugh at me or they didn't understand where I was coming from. Uh, for instance, the question of yesterday, putting yesterday in, into context. A friend of mine who was white, help me to get a book. I'm using all these examples to underscore our concept of the supreme being God or the anthropomorphic God that is created in Zimmer. Uh, that friend helped me get a book and when we met on campus in San Francisco, I called him, hello, Joe, good morning. And I, he responded, hi, Joseph, <laughs> good morning. And thank you very much for yesterday. <laughs> And, and he, could, he couldn't understand what I mean or what I meant. Thank you for yesterday. But Joseph, what does that mean? 
Then I said, well, this is what through the mercy of God you did to me yesterday. So look, everything God, God, God. Do you think that if you don't use God, you couldn't have, you know, I couldn't have helped you to get the book? And I said, yes, I know. You could have done it, but maybe you don't understand what is behind your life. Every day is a day of life, of living with experiences. And the Supreme God or the anthropomorphic God made it so. You know, so we have a different <laughs> sense or reason of God than other people, especially Europeans, you know, with the advent of science and technology, they pride themselves as whatever, semi-God or whatever. But they have entirely forgotten or they have relegated God who created them. And of course, some think they weren't created. Of course, they have evolution. <laughs> you go to America in the schools, you can't preach or you can't talk about God. You can't, you can't talk about uh, dreams about God or whatever it is, especially in the uh, elementary and uh, secondary schools. A teacher is not supposed to talk about God. <laughs> For us here, we have religious classes and God is taught in our schools. So that tells you that our concept of God is entirely different from the European concept of God. But on the other hand, they think they know God better than us and that they want to prosthesize us. They want to teach us who God is by giving us biblical names as first names. And in their society, parents give biblical names to their children, Mary, Susanna, etc., etc. But ours is different. Thank you. Uh, something that actually I was uh, wondering uh, is this one. Uh, because when you were explaining, you didn't make mention of uh, creation. Uh, that got me really curious. How did we get 
into the concept of creation and how is creation explained in your own culture okay creation is easy to talk about you know uh, science doesn't believe in creation believes in evolution but i think <laughs> in every society we have the concept of creation god wasn't created but he had the power to create everything in the universe you know whether we, we know it or not even the concept of scientific inventions and all that knowledge and all that was revealed to us through either dreams you know or uh, otherwise intuition you know so the concept of creation has been with us i mean since the beginning it's only recently that we are fighting to put creation aside and add evolution everything evolved a human being wasn't created a human being evolved to be who she or he is today and the argument goes on like i said in the united states where i did my higher education you can't talk about creation or whatever it is in schools although you may have heard it from your parents but that's it now philosophically philosophically speaking if you take creation away you know and replace it with evolution how would you want to talk about everything that you see you know uh, are we going to say that uh, human beings were created so god too was created it's impossible you don't know god so how would you say <laughs> she or he you know was created and not evolved and evolved from what you know so creation has come to stay with us for explaining several things and if the time comes that creation will be abandoned and replaced with evolution we don't know yet thank you for that
I like the, the last part, we don't know yet. You see, in the beginning, when we were talking of names, I told you that my son name, which is the name of my father, or, or my family name, is L14, which means that we can never get to the, uh, to the limit of knowledge, to a point where we say we know it all. We are always learning. And I think this is important. Uh, and because we are always learning, it is important that we, we ask questions. We continue to ask questions and make an attempt to uh, provide solution to our curiosity. I think that is basically the essence of the whole struggle at the end of the day. Because if we already know everything, I think life is going to be boring. Mm. All right. Uh, I want you to help me again within the story of creation. I am not sure I understand what you mean exactly by creation. What exactly do you mean by creation? Well, what exactly I, I know by creation is what I learned from my society. You know, in my society, we have a sentence and that sentence say in other words god god created everything and thanks to the bible it took six days to create you know, in my society, <laughs> also, although we say God created everything, we don't know how many days it took to create them. Like in the Bible, they said the first day he did this, the second day, and it took six days to create the world, the universe. And then the seventh day, he celebrated it. You know, so creation is physical. Creation is material. But what is created in the mind that is not touchable, whatever it is, which is immaterial, is done through the power of God, <laughs> what he or she gave us. You know, he gave us mind, intuition, for us to create certain abstract things, abstract uh, situations. Otherwise, the meaning of creation will not be complete. But everything that we can see and everything that we have done, like, we create very beautiful uh, 
furniture, very beautiful house. We did it with our hands. But actually, behind our hands is the ab abstract, you know, abstract uh, uh, figure of the house. But we use our hands to do it. So creation probably has two meanings. The abstract one that we don't see it, and then the concrete one that we all see. Is your story of creation in alignment uh, with the biblical explanation in the book of Genesis, or is it different from that? If it is different, in what way is it different? Of course, it's different from that. You know, the Enzema created something, like I've said, it could be a house, it could be a farm, it could be with his hands or her hands. But behind the hands is knowledge which is abstract, you know. And so the biblical creation, the first day God did this, the second day this, this, <coughs> we don't buy it, although now it could be part of the biblical knowledge or the religious knowledge that uh, we have acquired from the West. I'm trying to figure out the the whole uh, concept of creation. That, of course, I'm a human being. As a, I should think like a human being. I'm not uh, other than uh, the the limited knowledge that I have. If I already know everything, I wouldn't ask you anything. I don't know. That is why I'm asking. Uh, that maybe creation is, is part of those things that we are thinking imagining what God is and how God should be. And because we do create, of course, I'm not talking of building beautiful houses that we can do today and even before this will be building, creating, that maybe if we could build, then God could also build. Uh, because if you look at the skeleton of a man or an animal, you see that it's actually beautifully designed. No? And maybe we look at it and say, ah, but if we could create something, then God actually can also create something. So God created us. It's not really that we have uh, a rational explanation to it, at least in my own limited knowledge. Because if we say God created, create, create, created a man, what kind of man did he actually create? He created a baby who grew to be a man, or he created a man who then reproduced with a, with a woman, and then they produce a baby who then grow up to become the man that God has created. I'm not sure that is very clear for me. Okay. Uh, I'm not clear either. But the thing is, from reasoning and 
the sciences that God gave to us, we can think and come to certain conclusions, whether <laughs> right or wrong. You know, uh, sometimes we say that the animal can't think and it probably can't sense either. But look at the animal, look at, you know, for instance, the cow or the dom domesticated animals, the lamb, the goat. We can see a whole lot of things that goes on with animals before even we dare think about the human being or the human being has created. You know, animals create certain things that we cooperate from, you know, many, many things. But the thing is, what difference does it make? What the animal creates, is it different from what the human being has created? You look at certain birds and the way they weave their houses or their nests, you know, we call it nest, but to them it's a house if they can talk with us and compare. Look how they weave it. different kinds of nets. Take for instance the eagle. Look at the common house that the eagle builds for itself. The weaver bird is far advanced when it comes to uh, building a house or a nest. But we human beings think that the weaver bird is a low bird. The eagle is the king of the air or space or whatever it is. But watch what the eagle does. Can we compare the two houses and reach a conclusion that this is better, this is worse, or whatever it is? I think knowledge gives us the explanation that this bird is a lower species from low species. The eagle is a bird from a higher species. When you go to America, they build a skyscraper of a hundred stories 
you go on top of it what you see moving downstairs you don't know whether they are human beings or whatever it is you think they are either phenomenal because of our eyes our eyes can see much the higher we go the uh, easy we can experience what is going on on earth you are traveling with an airplane and <laughs> you don't see anything you know you may be lucky to see the uh, certain parts of the earth like all the trees all the earth becomes one to some extent so to be able to differentiate sometimes we think we have the power to do that of course we have some sort of power but the higher we go <laughs> then we can see that we don't have the power to see what is on earth or what we see on it that's my explanation thank you so much for that um, would you like to tell me at what point did you uh, made up your mind that you were going to write this book? Is there anything that could have um, uh, triggered you or made you to make the upon which you make the decision? Yes, I grew up in a, a Methodist mission and uh, always in the morning we, we were asked to wake up and pray and praise god for the breath that we have from him and all that and uh, what happened was that god was always like a story a magician god was always a magician to us or to me and then as i grew up then i discovered that in fact god is more than a magician but she or he gave us certain things certain powers and when i was in college i uh, meditated on the, this difference what God has been able to do for 
me or for my family and I began to compare families I saw poor families very poor families very very poor families who lack uh, the, the essentials of living you know food sleeping place and clothing so i was able to differentiate them and of course my language and zema gave me the clue that the god of zema is a woman <laughs> and not a man although in my elementary school uh, class of religion or catechism we always praise god as a man but sometimes we read the bible and it talks about a jealous god angry god this 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 and people think that that god is a personal god well if it's a personal god i don't know what it is what is the meaning of a personal god i don't know what it is i know god community god to the extent that the difference <laughs> is very difficult to understand or to explain. That's all that I can say. All right. Thank you for that. I appreciate the, the, the decision that you made to uh, tackle this argument because this is something that people don't talk about often. I would think they are self-explanatory. They are not self-explanatory at all. We need to talk about uh, we need to talk about them, and because it's uh, it's also our experience that we are talking about. It's also the way we view things, the way we see things, the way we perceive reality. If we don't explain it, other people, of course, will be explaining it for us. And at that time, it is not going to be in our interest, unfortunately. All right. Uh, you did say that the god of Inzima is a woman. <clears throat> this is, of course, uh, different from the way that we have often heard it represented uh, in the biblical concept, for example, in the Abrahamic religion, in most of the cases, that it is a man. And this man is a white man, not just a man, but this man is a, <clears throat> is a white man. And this is how it is presented in the West, and that is how it is presented also in any society that is dominated by Western culture. 
And in this case, like in Africa, you know, in Nigeria or Ghana or in South Africa, in many other parts of Africa. Now, the question. Why do you think it is important for God to have such uh, human features as being a man or a woman? Why is it important for God to have that? <laughs> Thank you for that question. Why? I don't know. But reasoning and sensing could be the call for seeing man, uh, God as a man, or God as a woman. Although the man is dominant, we see it from all angles because of the Western culture that we have been uh, forced to accept. The thing is, does it really matter if God is a man or does it really matter if God is a woman? No, it doesn't. But going to Humpty Dumpty, Humpty Dumpty, according to European uh, folk law, Humpty Dumpty says what it is, and the whole society accepts it. You know, but to me, I learned to appreciate what a woman can do. And I learned to appreciate what a man can do. Take, for instance, a woman and a man. And from our experience, the two of them, a man and a woman, which one dominates the other? I think it's the man who dominates the woman. And cultural experiences prove it. You know, uh, I haven't gone throughout the world to make a research on what I've just said, that the man dominates the woman, but of course, he does. It's only probably in a few societies, maybe Eastern or African, where there are women who dominate the man, the, the husband. For instance, I go into Nzema society. The man has always dominated the woman. If the woman depends 100% on the man. All right. 
Uh, Sometimes it appears to me, um, again, I'm talking uh, from the point of view of one who doesn't know very much. Uh, so um, I, I just say what I think you know, so that I can be corrected rather than keeping it inside thinking that I know. I think that um, human beings create a society and they also create their God. And this society they create, and this, and this God they create, because they are the ones that are creating it, in most of the cases, it's at the same level with them. And when the society advances, they modify the society, of course, because things change. They, they also modify God so that the God itself that they have created change. I just want to refer to what is often said among Africa and also among my culture, it is said that the voice of men is the voice of God. We could actually take that piece and expand on it, but maybe not today. Uh, my curiosity is that can we really prove that there is this? Okay, let's take the Christian religion, the Christian. Um, uh, Christianity in this case, because that is where we have the representation. We have this uh, European style of a man who is sitting in the upstairs of heaven overlooking everything. Is it really the way it is? And in that religion, Christianity, we understand that there is this universe of course, men now do not yet have the possibility of able to study far enough to understand that we don't actually have universe, we have multiverse. Either there are different types of universes like the one we have today. So, at that time, their understanding was that there is universe, therefore the God of the universe that created the universe. Now that we know that we have multiverse, that is not only really universe, we have multiple universes, that God will quickly upgrade his status that is not only the God of universe anymore, but is the God of the multiverse. I want you to expand on that, please. Thank you. This reminds me of a black man who lived in Greece, before even Christ was born. And his name was Ethiop, E-T-H-I-O-P, out of which we have got Ethiopian, Ethiopia, and all that. It was he who told them the story of the elephant and the blind man and how the blind man had been <coughs> wondering about the elephant, how big he was, how this, this. And so they were taken to go and see the elephant. And these 12 blind men describe the elephant differently according to how and where they were standing, how the 
they touched the elephant because they were blind they didn't know so we are all grouping in the back i'm glad about your concept of multiverse and i'm liking it to uh, the elephant and the blind man which ethiop which Europeans finally changed it to Aesop, A-E-S-O-P, instead of Ethiop. When I was a teacher in the United States, I started teaching from the university and I taught in three universities but always i talk of one and uh, what i learned brought me down to my being myself for teaching at universities and I went down to teach from high school, junior high school, elementary school, kindergarten and all that. It was there that I got in love with Aesop stories for children, you know? So I'm just saying all these to show that, like you said, it is our experiences which make us talk about things. You know, uh, it may be there are many universes we can only speculate. But I take Aesop's story of the elephant and the blind man. We human beings are blind. We are blind in a sense that we don't know everything. But as we evolve, <laughs> we create many things. We've been created and we've been evolving. Our minds are evolving. Our tastes are evolving. The way we do things, we are learning it in a different way. There are many minds, good or bad, but they are all part of creation. And to me, to me, creation can take several uh, differences. And it depends upon how you see it, like 
the blind man who thought that uh, oh the elephant was this they had 12 different kinds of experience and they describe the elephant 12 different ways that's it thank you so much that's very important very very interesting now if we were to say draw out three key uh, lessons to be learned from your book or three messages that you would like to point out from your book about the Zima of Ghana culture of course what would that be it will be the three concepts <laughs> with God human being and society if God created human being human being to created society all right that's great so what, what would be your final message here to terminate the conversation because really have been rich here and full of information well i would say that uh, you said it all we are always learning you know through our cultures we are making things easy for ourselves new ideas are being born but i would say that there are no new ideas there is always what is there for the human being to explore and that's what Benzema attempts to to do explore the world the universe of mind the universe of um, culture and then come up with new ideas today we know we can breathe but the air that we breathe has something that gives us life and it's called oxygen it took us several years to come to this knowledge today we know you can speed up with the aeroplane and uh, go as far as 500 miles an hour but the jet now they have been able to produce jets that can go as far as 10,000 miles per hour. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Absolutely. So we are still searching. We are still getting new ideas. We are still experimenting. And that with science and technology, some of us human beings think there is no God. <laughs> there is only man or there is only human being. And it's ridiculous for those who say that there is no God, only man or human being with his or her experiences, her mind, his mind combined they created they create wonderful things that magicians are just you know part of that's all thank you so much sir. i appreciate the time and also the sharing a lot here to to learn thank you so much sir you're welcome
If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead Podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead A1 Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.